new concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Reach your full potential. Small win, small win, small win. Keep your momentum going. The Success 101 Podcast. Welcome to the Success 101 Podcast. This is your host, Jared Warren. At each episode, my goal is to bring you a new concept or idea to help you maximize your full potential. Thanks for joining me here today. Now let's kick things off. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Success 101 Podcast. So excited to have Dane Barkley back on the show with us today. What's going on, man? Hey, Jared. Thanks for having me back on. I really appreciate it. Looking forward to diving into this. So we talked last time a little bit about your morning smoothie. We talked about, obviously, the morning routine and water and HRV monitor and grounding and got into so many things. I never thought I would be this guy, but I think I actually prefer talking a little bit about the evening routine more than the morning, not because it's any less important or more important. They're both so important, but I think I struggled with sleep for so long, not not sleep, but just staying in the bed long enough and felt horrible all the time. Felt like I had to get up and go that I really didn't understand what an evening routine looked like. I would just burn it until I I really just felt like I had to force myself to go to bed, sleep a little bit, if you even want to call it that, because it probably wasn't restful, wasn't tracking it, of course. And then I'd jump up and get on about my day and wonder why I felt so bad all the time, which sounds, it sounds crazy. But if you're in that world, it seems normal, you know, that you would just keep doing what you have to do to keep going, almost like a sacrifice. And you come, I came at it, many people come at it from a position of strength when really it's weakness, but 90% or more possibly of an awesome morning actually starts in the PM. So I'm excited for you to take us through that today. Talk about what you start doing even at the end of the day when you close down work on into the night, on into the evening. So thanks so much for sharing. Why don't you kick it off with how you structure your evening routine? And like I said, I'd like for you to take it actually from the point when you stop work, shutting, you know, shut down your work and uh, let's roll from there. Yeah. As you mentioned, it's incredibly um, common, I guess, these days for people who have sleep problems. It's actually 2018's trending to be one of the um, the top health trends, which is sleep and uh, I guess sleep issues. So around that, as you mentioned, PM and AM, morning routines and evening routines are just vital to sort of um, cap your days at least. Um, an area I, I don't know if I touched on in the morning routines was how, the, um, how important these routines and habits are this um, collection of habits because of the fact that in the middle of the middle of your day, you might not have total control over how your actual day goes. Whereas you know that your morning and your evening routines, you got control of that and you can sort of start and end your days and that really impacts your actual waking hours as well. So um, I guess the, it's, I'm still struggling myself, to be honest, with the um, evening routines. The morning routines I focus a lot of time on and I got it sort of down pat now for myself personally. Evening routines I find quite difficult in the fact that it's very hard to discern where the trigger point is where you start that evening routine. How I found with morning routines, it was quite simple for me, the fact that the trigger is just waking up. So waking up in the morning, that's the trigger. The routine is the small amount of habits collected. And then the reward is usually my smoothie I make myself. So that's a whole sort of how they trigger the routine. Whereas evening routines tend to sort of blur until you just pass out (laughs) and then you're gone. And so that makes it difficult to sort of, I guess, get a structure down for routine. I've, um, I've actually, at the moment, I'm actually tracking daytime, nighttime variables and fixed variables. A real typical biohacker to see what areas may impact my sleep quality. 
um, with my sleep data I have and my aura ring. So I usually, I've been at the, for the last two weeks now, I'm tracking different variables and see any correlations that may actually impact my sleep. So that's what I'm actually doing at the moment to see any sort of bits and pieces because for me, it's still quite difficult to discern what actually is impacting my sleep and what I can do to optimize the most out of it so I can get the best quality sleep so I can have the best waking hours. Man, that's really interesting. I've never thought about it that way. I know for me and you know everybody, we said this on the first episode, everybody's affected a little bit differently by how things, triggers, uh, environment, anything around you can really affect you. But I've never thought about the fact that some people like yourself, like you just mentioned, might actually have a harder time with the evening routine simply because there's really no start time to that. I know for me, it's actually the, res- the reverse of that. In the morning, it's a little harder for me because when I do wake up, that means it's time to go. And many times in the past, especially not so much now, but I would miss out on meditation. I would miss out on reading. I would. That's why how Elrod's book, The Miracle Morning, as we talked about last time, was so big for me because it gave me a blueprint of how to like really do things, even if it was for a short amount of time. But to me, the hard part was getting up, the trigger of, of waking up and going, okay, I need to go. I don't have time to do some of these things because I have to just get in the day and start crushing it. The evening time was easier for me once I started picking up a morning and evening routine because I started focusing my sights on trying to work at it once I got home. So that's that's very interesting. Thanks so much for sharing that. Let's camp out for just a second. Let's, let's take a step back. We talked a little bit about the aura ring last time. You just mentioned tracking. You're currently tracking some other things with the aura ring. For those out there who don't know what the aura ring is tracking. Go into that and tell us specifically how you're using the specific measurements that it tracks to help, you know, upgrade to peak performance. Yeah, I mean the aura ring is something I'm hugely obsessed with. Anybody who knows me knows how much I love the data from that. I, I truly believe it's the best wearable and sleep tracker there is in the market. And it's showing itself in the way people are um especially the biohacking community is embracing it and the popularity is growing from that. And and by the way, yeah. not to cut you off here, but do you remember when probably two months ago, two and a half months ago, I shot you a, an instant message or Facebook message or something and I just said, Hey, I'm seeing so much on the aura ring, so many people I respect, love it. You obviously love it. You talk about it all the time, but it's pretty steep on the price. Is it really worth it? And you shot back a response that pretty much sold me <laughs> on it. I don't remember how you how you worded it, but I was like They come out with this new version I keep hearing about. I've got to get it. But you were like, oh, no doubt. It's totally worth the money with all the stuff that it tracks. Do you remember me shooting that message your way? Yeah, I do. A lot of people have asked me whether it's worth it. I said it's the best thing since sliced bread, in my opinion, even though I don't eat bread. (laughs) If I was to eat bread, it's definitely right up there. So yeah, with the Aura Ring, I particularly focus around the deep sleep and the REM sleep which most people, I guess, that's generally where the majority of the um, the deep restorative sleep and the REM sleep is where so you dream as well. So the And also figuring out the awake times and the light sleep times. So it breaks down your sleep sort of architecture and also it's a lot more metrics as well, the resting heart rate as well. So you know what's going on um, with your heart and, and your environment as well. So with at the moment for myself personally, I'm trying to focus on see if I can optimize my deep sleep and my REM sleep, um, which I've seen quite a common occurrence among a lot of Aura Ring users is getting very little deep sleep and um, trying to find ways to optimize that. It's still a very confusing area of sort of science that people are still discovering. And as humans, we don't really know yet what the full um, intention is of full deep sleep and REM sleep and why they fluctuate per person and per age group and per sort of demographic. Everything sort of it varies. Um, if you're recovering, if you're in deep recovery, your deep sleep would be a lot higher. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's a good thing. It just means you're recovering, your body's trying to recover. And if it's super low, 
um, is sometimes me, um, you miss out on some of that deep restorative sleep. And what I've noticed myself personally is that when I do have the high amount of deep sleep, I do wake up feeling a lot more refreshed. And so I've tried to sort of find ways to keep that at a decent level. And so I'm constantly sort of waking up trying to feel refreshed. So there's certain variables that I've implemented that I believe that have a, definitely have an impact on getting my body or allowing my body to fall into a deep restful sleep. I can talk about them now, actually. Press pause on that for one moment, if you don't mind here. People can study sleep cycles. People can understand what goes on in the brain and in the body when you sleep and you start going through these different sleep cycles. People can study that, right? And people can understand it, but it doesn't mean that they can actually do that. Just because they understand it doesn't mean that they're going to lay down that night and that's what's going to happen, right? I mean, you have to work at this and, and you have to actually put your body in a position to get into those sleep states. So if you don't mind, let's take a step back before we dive into the different sleep states or even what you're tracking with the aura. What have you worked on? What I know you said it's a little bit more of a struggle than the morning, but what have you started working on? What have you been implementing that has allowed you to even get into a position where you could track the sleep and manipulate it in a way that would be helpful for you? Yeah, so that's. I think I started from... It must have been dinner, I think. I'm pretty sure. So my ver- my nighttime variables. Um, one thing that I actually did change quite significantly in the recent sort of coming months and recent months, sorry, was uh, having dinner earlier. So there's one thing I was noticing having dinner later was making I was impacting on my um, resting heart rate. So my resting heart rate was happening later in the night, and so I wasn't able to get into a deep restful sleep because I was still my body was still digesting the food that was in my stomach. So that was the I guess that's in a way, it's where my nighttime routine begins, um, having a dinner relatively early and then not eating um, obviously until next morning, which is usually maybe about a 14, 16 hour fast in a sense, um, which is fantastic for the body to be in while you're sleeping. So he's not trying to digest food. It, it allows your, your mind and your body actually to fall into a deep sleep the way it naturally should be. So Yeah, and you're not even drinking any caffeine. So imagine better hammering caffeine all the time, they're going to be in that state for even longer. I can't imagine, man. <laughs> the amount is ridiculous. The, um, eating super late and even chugging caffeine after midday, um, I just, yeah, I don't know how on earth they actually sleep. Um, it'd be quite interesting to see their data, I guess, with um, an aura ring. But to have, uh, they have caffeine, I, yeah, I do everything I can to sort of optimize my sleep as much as possible. And caffeine, as most people are aware, I guess it blocks the adenosine receptors in your brain. So it sort of doesn't give you that sleepiness that you get from it. So if you're consistently consuming it, you never get that sort of tired feeling. So if you're having a, a coffee at six o'clock at night, um, you can fall asleep. doesn't mean you're going to have a restful sleep though. So that's something that caffeine, if you do want to drink it, consistently drinking it, just have an idea to cap it about midday. And even if they want to just continually drink coffee, decaf, just quite easily switch to get decaf in the afternoon and you can still, and that won't affect your sleep. So if you really want to have coffee and even if you eventually want to do what I did and I guess go off coffee um, or caffeine at least, then you can um, quite easily just switch to decaf and then go back and forth. And eventually you probably notice yourself sleeping better. And like myself, in a way, how a lot of people are addicted to substances out there to get themselves that little buzz. I'm addicted to wellness and the feeling I get from this, I want more and more of it. So in a sense, I am addicted to something. In this case, it's just feeling good and really good constantly. So, You mentioned having dinner a little bit earlier, resting heart rate, going down some, not taking in any of the caffeine. What are you doing after dinner? Take us through little by little, whether it's supplements, whether it's routines and rituals, meditation, whatever in the world you're doing to start really winding down. Because I would think if you're doing dinner a little bit earlier, 
that has a tendency for your body to still be up a little bit and not really ready to go to bed yet. What is your next step that you're putting in there? Usually around dinner time. So for the time being in Melbourne, Australia here, sunsets around 8.30. So the light cycles do play an enormous impact on your sleep sort of length and also sleep timing. So at the moment in summertime here, it's longer light cycles. So it means naturally we're going to have less sort of sleeping hours. Um, the body's going to gravitate more towards that. So my dinner is usually around 6.30 or so around there. I try to keep it sort of early as possible. And then I usually go into some, I usually just relax. I don't do much focus work. So I don't tend to do any sort of work on my laptop or anything. I tend to just either the great thing obviously before bed would be reading fiction. Nothing that involves too much of the um, the mind thinking in sort of complex ways. Um, just sort of anything can sort of switch it off. So whether that's just um, scrolling through, um, whether replying to some messages and then just in a way sort of slowly dwindling down to I get either asleep to as well. So if it's in the cooler months, it's a lot easier to drink like a, a sleep tea. I usually have my one that I'm trying quite regularly is obviously a reishi tea, reishi tea, and then also another tea that's a mix between a sort of layering root, licorice root, and like I guess chamomile and lavender. They're very popular sort of sedative um, herbs and, um, and some flowers that tend to sort of knock you out in a sense. So I find that calms me down and sort of gets me into a tired state. Does valerian root have the effect on you that it does on many people that I know where it really makes you groggy in the morning? Maybe not since you're using it quite a bit, but does valerian root give you that groggy feeling in the morning or are you okay with it the way your body processes it? I have heard that. Yeah. I know a lot of people I've um, seen and heard from that do have some negative effects from the valerian root. For me personally, it's not a big deal or haven't noticed it at least. So um, again, everyone's so individual. So in terms of what actual works for you, mutton work for me and vice versa. So it's just experimenting. So the whole thing is if you're aware that it makes you groggy, then simply just don't have it, which is great. Um, And having that awareness is a huge step. Um, ahead of the rest. So just being aware of what actually makes you feel good and feel tired. So that's hence why I'm actually tracking a lot of my variables the time being to actually see objective data of what is actually impacting and then also subjectively how I feel as well. I know it changes, right? So this is an impossible question, but out of a seven day week that you're tracking, how often will you do a tea at night or just something after dinner to help wind down? For the time being, actually every day, about five or six Days of the year. Okay, so it's a pretty days. normal habit for you. I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a pretty normal part of your routine, I should say. Yeah, and I tend to sort of keep it to. And this is an organic sleep tea I have here that I've bought locally. There's a reishi tea, and there's also a tulsi or holy basil tea, um, which is popular in the Ayurvedic um, sort of community. So I usually stick to those ones. They're quite calming, and I usually, if it's summertime, I will make a cold brew. So I brew it put in the fridge and I can consume that at night and it's nice and nice, refreshing. And then if it's this winter time, I make a warm one. So yeah, I find that's part of my, it's almost become part of my routine now in a way, I, it's a way to calm me down, but also to give me a little bit extra edge to sort of um, enhance my sleep quality. And I know people are going to ask, what brand are you trusting and going to from that? Because that's the biggest question I get when people mention certain things on the podcast is what brand are they using? Oh yeah, big time. Reishi tea, I do like the Four Sigmatic Reishi tea. Um, it's very easy to rip and pour into it and mix it up. It's, um, it's quite good, as well as the Real Mushrooms Reishi. I'm a big fan of um, the, all the Real Mushrooms um, line of supplements. So the Real Mushrooms, you can, I mean, I, I, we talked about that in our first episode. That's a super trusted brand. I love those guys and what they're putting out over there. And a lot of people you and I follow trust, trust them or people we're connected to. Yeah, absolutely. 
it may not taste the best thing ever. Um, right, right. A lot of people that are there to optimize, like myself and biohackers, we just chug anything down. It's good for you, regardless of the taste. And you get used to it anyway. Um, once you go off sugar and all these sort of things, you just get used to the taste and you get sort of addicted to the wellness, as I said before. And you're doing that hot and cold, as you mentioned. So we're getting on into the evening here. You've had an early dinner. What time typically, I know it varies, but what time typically are you trying to get to bed as you're setting up this evening routine? So I'm looking at my sleep data at the moment. And for the last week, it's around about 10, on average, 10, 15. Um, it sort of varies per day, but I keep it, sleep timing is a huge variable to sort of get right. It's to try to keep it as consistent as possible um, every day of the week. So even weekends, um, having an aura ring will actually give you accurate data. Whereas most people think if they go to hop in bed at 10 o'clock and wake up at seven, that they've got nine hours of sleep, which is not true because there's your wake up and how long it takes you for to sleep sleep latency and all as well. So it's quite a confusing sort of subject to get into. Yeah. Are you doing any uh, GABA supplements and magnesium? I know you mentioned, you actually mentioned in our first episode, you're doing magnesium L3 and 8 in the morning, whereas most people are doing that in the evening, myself included. You said it, it helps with your circadian rhythms to do that in the morning. Are you doing any GABA, any melatonin? Yeah, I do. I also take some magnesium L3 and at night as well. Uh, magnesium is great for, I guess, morning and night is a great time to do it. I take a little bit in the, at night, but the majority of it's in the morning. Um, a little bit at night just to sort of calm the nervous system as well. But also, yeah, I've been experimenting with 5-HTP, which is a precursor of melatonin. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of melatonin supplementation. Um, from what I've seen and heard and read and over the years, it's um, I believe it does have some down-regulation of the actual endogenous production of melatonin. So if you, can, if you just rely on melatonin supplementation, your body no longer has to sort of produce the amount of melatonin. So therefore, it's not as, I don't believe it's an effective solution. Uh, for short-term use, I think it could be great to get yourself into a, um, a cycle and use it short-term to get yourself into a routine and rhythm. Uh, long-term use, I, I personally don't recommend from what I've seen at least. So with all my supplements, I'm constantly cycling um, periodically with it. So I'm not actually, I never take it consistently every day. So weekends, I have no supplementation whatsoever. I'll let my body sort of rest from that. Um, from morning and evening supplements, I don't touch anything. And then during the um, weekdays, I just sort of, I experiment. So sometimes I might have some 5-HTP, some nights I have none. Um, no, and then following nights, I might have a bit more um, and maybe some L-theanine as well for calming down. So I do constantly optimize and experiment with myself and I try not to sort of stay consistent with my supplementation just for the fact that I, I don't really know it purely how that I understand whether it becomes a habit for me or not. So, Right. So that kind of gets us up to, to your bedtime there. Let's go back to the aura ring for just a moment that you were talking about before, uh, before I had us take a step back. So the aura ring is going to track a lot of things. And for those listeners out there who have not seen the new version that's going to be coming out, I believe in April, it's on pre-order right now, but it's going to be coming out, I believe in April, there's a, a readiness score that it has, but then it also has your sleep score, resting heart rate, as you mentioned, activity score, all of those sort of things. And I'm just hearing more and more about how they're really perfecting this science in a ring and how it's stronger using the ring than maybe, you know, Fitbit and some other things that people have uh, become accustomed to using. Uh, have you found any weakness with the Aura Ring? Only sort of area where it's not, I guess, a starring in terms of um, in terms of wearables would be maybe the fitness side of things to sort of track. It tracks movement and steps 
and you can it's added some new features and it's updates where you can add in sort of um your your training sort of um programs you wanted to you can strength training add in that as well um but i think um, from what i've seen from the newer version they're enhancing that again so like usual they're going to keep evolving and they're going to become an absolute juggernaut industry and as you mentioned too before, but I might jump in as well, is that the whole Fitbit and all them, I had them in the past. I tried all them, um, but everything I've learned from the past few years constantly keeps going back to the whole um, the EMF area, which is a big sort of area of mine. The fact that the ring can go into airplane mode, so it's not emitting um, any Bluetooth signal onto your finger. So that's mine is always in airplane mode. So throughout the day, it's just collecting the data on my finger without emitting any Bluetooth radiation into it. Whereas majority of the, I guess, the Apple Watches and Fitbits and all those trendy ones out there, um, as far as I'm aware, they do emit that and it's directly onto your wrists. So for accuracy, but also from EMF radiation, it's um, no good. Yeah, so when do you actually turn it on and collect all the data then? Because it has to connect at some point, right? Exactly, yeah. That's, that's a part of my morning routine. In the morning, I um, take it off my finger, it resets, syncs the data um, with the Bluetooth, and it's only for a very short time, so a couple of minutes. I look at my data and I put it straight back into airplane mode. So um, for battery life as well, it saves it, but also just the fact that I'm not um, instead of subjecting myself to any Bluetooth radiation, which I know is a huge area of focus of mine too, is just mitigation of VMFs. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what I've heard about the Aura Ring, and guys, this is not a plug for the Aura Ring, or maybe it is if it helps, right? I mean, this podcast is all about peak performance, so maybe it is, but it's not a direct plug. We're, we're not getting any money off the Aura Ring. That's not why we're promoting it here. But from what I've heard, even in the current state, I think the new version is going to be even better is that it really shines. It really stands out with its sleep tracking. You can do all kinds of stuff with it now, especially the new version. I think you're going to be able to weight lift and train and run and, and it's all comfortable and all of that. Not that, not a watch or Fitbit or something like that's not, but all of these different strengths and test scores and things like that that it has are really going to make it shine and they're just going to keep getting better and better on the uh, technology. So what have you discovered? Are there any areas of your sleep or night routine that you would say that you weren't great in or you were average in that you've really been able to improve over a period of time that you really can see the needle moving, see the difference? The big one, I guess, has been the last couple of years I've been doing this, but it's an area where it's going to explode into the um, into the future next year and onwards. Uh, is blue light blocking is an area where I wasn't particularly knowledgeable in until the last couple of years and it's an air it's something i wear every single night no matter what um my lighting environment i'm about 99 percent compliant with my food is obviously about 90 percent i can still enjoy an ice cream here and there but my lighting environment is massive especially towards sleep so um blue light blocking glasses if people aren't familiar you can Go on Amazon. There's so many different pairs out there these days. Um, depends on your budget. So if you have, a, if you don't want to spend a lot of money, just get in a pair of these sort of industrial-looking ones and trying them out. And that is in a huge variable when it comes to sort of sleep quality and getting the right amount of sleep. If you're, um, even if you want to watch TV late at night, whether it is, um, it doesn't even matter. As long as you're wearing some blue blocking glasses to knock that blue out of it and just sort of let your um, pineal gland um, secrete some of that melatonin. And I know you mentioned in our first episode, you're using more of the True Dark glasses. There's Swanick glasses. There's just your basic $7 welders glasses online. Uh, the True Dark you found, though, to be the best as far as winding down at night, right? Yeah, in terms of quality, I, th- I believe True Dark to be one of the best out there from blocking and also the, the frequency of light they block, um, the blue and green wavelength as well. They're not the most trendy looking glasses. Um, and that is an area that I'm personally working on myself 
with a company here in Australia and designing the pair that actually can be worn outside um, that's interchangeable. So that's something I'm looking at hopefully developing for next year um, is a pair of blue blocking glasses that's um, unlike anything else out there that I've seen in the moment. Um, but yeah, for the time being, if you want to wear a pair at home and comfortably, then True Dark, I guess, one of the best. Um, if you want to wear it out in the streets, um, Swanwick um, Swannies are sort of one of the best that's what I wear. And then there's a few other ones. So you have to, at the time being, you have to wear or buy multiple pairs if you want to be wearing them consistently. Um, whereas I'm trying to sort of um, squash that from the product I'm developing on. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's what I've heard is just the true dark. You really don't want to wear those like out to a dinner, whatever. Like even even if you don't care how they look, you still don't want to wear those out because they're going to make you feel tired. Whereas with the Swannies, they are fashionable, but just with the technology of the lens, you can wear those out and they'll still be okay. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. From the, the, the dorkier pairs that block out more the wavelengths are just comfortable wearing inside. But when it comes outside, most people aren't even comfortable wearing the Swannies because they're so, I guess, different. Um, but in the, like, as I'm per, sort of projecting this, the future is going to be people are going to start wearing them because they're going to sort of start to see the benefit. is quite extraordinary just wearing how light has an impact on their bodies and um, how, yeah, pair, wearing a pair of Swannies can make such a difference or even any pair of blue blockers. Talk to me about temperature. Temperature is a huge thing. Most people who are biohackers talk about temperature and not only from neurogenesis, but just regeneration of the body or is there a certain temperature that you're fighting for every night to try to keep it up? As cool as possible. At the moment, it's hot, very hot here in Melbourne and I'm quite humid as well. So the nights are quite hard for me to get to sleep and I'm noticing that on my data as well, the, um, the sleep environment. So yeah, having... If it's AC, um, if it's in wintertime, always having your window cracked open. I believe it's better to have the to mimic what it is outside. So if it's throughout winter, it's great to have the window open. Um, in summertime, it can get quite hot. So having a fan on or something just to keep you cool as well. Um, also having a cool shower, cold shower, ice baths, not too close to bedtime, but enough to sort of um, shock your body a little bit to get you towards bed. Um, and it's actually something I've been experimenting with for the time being, which is perfect for the summer down here in Melbourne. It's a new product called um, Primal Cold. And they sent me out um, a thing called a jet pack. And this is quite funny. This is a, um, it's pretty much an ice pack for your balls. And, and it works the same way as, I guess, cold thermogenesis does when you have ice baths as well. So this is just a concentrated version, which is a lot more practical and you can just literally take it out of the freezer and then place it on. It's for guys, obviously. Place it on your balls and it helps towards testosterone production, but also allows you to cool your body temperature down as well to get into a nice deep sleep. So for those hot summer nights, I've been trying that out as well with some ice packs to sort of get my body cooled down. Man, I can see a lot of benefit to having cooler temperatures down there on your on your scrotum, but I added, I don't know about sleeping. That's interesting. I haven't thought about it that way. Does it do anything for having uh, sons? Because I've got three daughters. I haven't figured out how to have a son yet, I, so maybe maybe that's the solution, could, could right? Experiment. There you go. It could be great anecdotal <laughs> evidence for you to send through the primal cold. Yes, right. I'll do a report on it if, uh, if that happens. I'm pushing for one more. Got to get that boy in there. I would love to know, Dane, we talked in the first episode, this really isn't so much about the night routine, but I was just fascinated to find out that a guy that is as busy and active as you from everything that I've seen you putting out from your writing to your Instagram stories to everything that you're doing, there's just so much energy, it seems like, that's there. You're always doing so many new things, always a smile on your face, always working out, always trying all these new things and grounding and all that stuff. And you mentioned that you're not doing anything caffeine-wise. In our society today, I don't care where you are in the world, we've built a society around the chase. 
it's the buzz, it's the stimulant, it's the upper, it's the whatever. And then we're trying to massively dose ourselves with stuff at night, whether it's melatonin or whatever, to like kill all that. So it's a, a yin and the yang in the wrong way. It's like build ourselves way up, stimulate, 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 caffeine, Adderall, you fill in the blank, whatever it is all day long that you're using. And then at night, you're trying to take sleeping medication and you're just wearing yourself out. I'd love for the listeners to know why someone with as much energy as you have, because I know this wasn't always the case for you earlier in life, why someone with as much energy as you have feels like you've really weaned yourself off of that to where you don't have to chase after the stimulants and you can really be what you said in our first episode, you can have so much more energy without having to chase after that. How did you get to that point? And just, I guess, for lack of better words, teach us a lesson on how we can start weaning ourselves off of that where we don't need it and and we can be better for it. Yeah, it's been a pretty long journey for myself. I'm still quite young, but I'm still constantly evolving and sort of learning how I can sort of optimize in every area possible I can. So for me, it was, I guess, having a good solid view of your long-term sort of beliefs of where you want to be. So I have a very long sort of long-term view of where I want to be and how healthy I want to be till I die. And so most people tend to want to be just in the now and they're very impatient and want things now. They want to feel sort of the, the buzz and hit now and then just not really have any sort of awareness of where they're going to be in 5, 10, 20 years time. And so for me, I've had sort of the patience is of, of something I've worked on and have to realize that it's in the long run um, of where I want to go to and how I want to be every day, but also in the long run, how I want to feel um, when I'm with my kids and grandchildren and how long I can sort of keep healthy and consistently healthy. Uh, for me, I've, I've been quite fortunate to have um, not a lot of losses, um, family losses in my life, but the loss of my grandfather triggered something in me that I was um, enough to sort of, sort of looking towards my own health. And then from there, for the last three or four years, I've just been consistently evolving and I guess doing those small things accumulate over time um and it's a book the darren hardy's compound effect which i read oh, great book. yeah absolutely brilliant book is what i read this year and that was in something that just resonated with me with the whole doing those small things and consistently compounding over time so for me it's constantly tweaking certain areas whether that's sleep a little bit of diet movement if i'm constantly just improving on that then in 10 years time i'm going to be an absolute beast and so and feeling great along the way as well um but it's always trying to push push the needle forward in a sense and constantly um progress evolve and adapt with um, your lifestyle and environment and for me um it just become easier and easier as um become i guess addicted to this wellness and this lifestyle um it for to begin with is quite difficult to get started um but the best thing is to do is start small as you mentioned in the, um, in the intro is just small wins and you can consistently keep in doing that and then um, not worrying too much about falling off bandwagon by just jumping straight back on it and there's a great article actually i might actually get linking into the show notes from james clear James Clear is a very big sort of habit guide that I follow a lot of his work. Um, and there's a brilliant little short um, five tips that he has for um, to form sort of habits. Um, and you can link in there and people can read that. And that's pretty much it's nail on the head with everything I believe in and what I've done myself personally in terms of um, habit forming and routines and, and lifestyle changes. So Dane, thanks so much. So much value here. As we get ready to wrap up the podcast, I think probably the question listeners are going to have is, you know, we've talked about your routine, night routine, everything from eating earlier to the aura ring to supplements to actually what you're doing at night to temperature wise and all that to finally wind down. I'd love to know, and I think a lot of people out there would love to know what you're doing about 10 minutes before bed 
up until the point where you fall asleep. What does that look like? You and I talked about in the first episode about taping your mouth shut at night, talked about wearing earplugs, those sort of things. Walk us through that and what you're doing. Give us a picture of what that looks like because it sounds crazy. And I said that before I started doing it, but I've slept with earplugs in my ears for about a year and a half now and recently started taping my mouth after reading The Oxygen Advantage. So give us kind of a peek into what you're doing right now and what people can learn from, from your probably 10 minutes before bed up until you fall asleep. Yeah, sure as hell do. I look crazy when I go to bed at night with the (laughs) amount of stuff on me. I look crazy, but it doesn't matter. For me, it works. And I think it's such an easy variables to sort of add into your lifestyle. So I think with me, I do like to sort of when I wind things down before I go to bed, I like, I'm a big fan of heart math, um, inner balance, um, heart coherence training. I think it's great to sort of have something visual to look at and focus on your breathing. Um, just a five minute session of that. Um, that's a little device you plug into your iPhone or or, um, or Android and you can look at compares with an app as well and sort of focus on your breathing. So any form of breathing exercise for me is great. Um, whether it's um, Wim Hof, something that's light and rhythmic in a sense. So I usually focus on some breathing before I go to bed. And then when I tend to unwind, I have a few things I like to do. I like to occasionally, not every night, lie on, I guess, a bed of nails. So Bulletproof have a great sleep induction mat, um, which is an acupressure point mat. I think you mentioned before on your show. Yeah, it's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. So an acupressure mat, which sort of gets you into a parasympathetic state, which calms you as well. So to lie on to begin with, it's quite spiky. And I've had, if you to be very careful in line it too because I have rolled over a few times and cut my arm open because I've been a bit sort of um, violent with it. But be very still and, and be careful with it. But it's a great mat to lie on. It's great. So I usually lie on that about 10 minutes before I go to bed at night for about you 10 minutes. you typically well. do that every single night? You're building that in? No. No, I vary. I've noticed I get more benefit from varying certain nights. Um, I do it every night. My body, I think it's a little bit accustomed to it and get used to it so I don't get as much benefit from it. So I've noticed for me personally, I'd sort of vary it maybe every second or third night. I jump on that as well. So I usually lie on that and then I put on a pair of um, I put on some earplugs obviously in my ear to knock out the sound. For me personally, I don't like hearing any sound at all. It's pure silence is the best for me. Some people prefer white noises um, and some sort of noise so they can have a listen to that as long as your phone's on airplane mode. Um, so you're not getting the EMS as well when you're sleeping at night. So earplugs in, put my eye mask on because my blinds aren't the darkest. Um, you can either go for blackout curtains and just re- no need for the eye mask, um, or if you don't have the if you don't have the money to f- afford for um, blackout curtains, and the eye mask would be great. Any eye mask is great too. And then mouth taping. That's every single night. I use personally. I use the 3M Micropore surgical tape on my lips. Um, and I use that every, every single night. It's without a doubt because I don't want to, the fact I can focus on breathing through my nose. As you mentioned before, the, um, the great book, The Oxygen Advantage. And then I also go around my room and switch off every plug and unplug everything in my room. So there's no electricity and even unplug it as well because with, even when you switch it off, if you leave it plugged in, the electricity still runs through the wires if it's ungrounded. So just unplug it to be safe. It's easy to be done. Um, put my airplane uh, phone on airplane mode and then I pretty much just go to bed <laughs> and then I focus on breathing and I'll let go of the day. And um, that's the biggest one. A lot of people don't want to let go or have their mind racing. So the best thing I've noticed for that for me personally is just focus on your breathing and having that attention and your breathing there. Eventually you'll find yourself just you're out before you know it. Thanks so much for your wisdom here. We appreciate it and so much to learn as uh, we keep 
upgrading to peak performance. Once again, where can we find you, your website, your writings, all the stuff that you're doing out there that we can point people to? Yeah, you can go to danebarkley.com or you can find me on Instagram at danebarkley. I uh, will be just putting a lot more up there next year as well um, and sharing a lot more what I'm, what I'm working on at the moment, which is a lot to do with the work of holism and body, mind and spirit. So um, that's the area I'm sort of focusing on now. Parting note here, what are you reading right now? What are you learning from? Who are you learning from? What are you reading? So at the moment, I've got three books on the go. I've got Man's Search for Meaning, Victor Frankl. Oh, amazing. One um, of my so favorite books ever. Is it? Yeah, it's a fantastic yeah, book. Um, it's a nice small bite-sized book that most people can um, get their sort of heads around as well. And it's a fantastic book to sort of get some, some um, sense of, um, I guess, meaning in life. Uh, I'm also, so for the health side of things, I'm reading The Fourth Phase of Water by Gerald Pollack. Mm, great, um, great book. More like, a, more like a textbook, I guess it is, and a bit more complex than most people are probably used to. Yeah, that's a tough tough read for sure, but it's uh, but it's worth it. I believe so for sure. It's, and then the, um, the other book I'm reading as well, which is, it's completely changed my life and it's probably the most impactful book I've ever read. And I've, I've shared it sort of with a few close friends, but it's kind of bizarre, but it's the, um, the conversations with God. And it's crazy to think that um, I'm not someone to ever think I would read a book with the word God in it, but the fact that I was open to everything now, in a sense that um, I'm questioning everything in a sense. So that's, um, it's a very good book and it's very, um, it's very sort of easy to read. And it's um, even if you don't believe in any sort of spiritual world, it's, it's a great book to sort of open your eyes to sort of different um, um, views. Awesome. Dane Barkley, we thank you so much. We'll be watching you from afar. I hope everybody listening to this uh, tunes into your Instagram account because like I said in part one, it's awesome and uh, wish you continued success with everything that you're doing. Thanks so much for coming on, buddy. Oh, thanks, Ellie. Appreciate that. I appreciate all the support and I love everything you've been doing as well. The great podcasts you've been going on. I've listened to them a lot and I've recommended to people as well. So definitely jump on board the podcast and subscribe. I think it's fantastic what you're doing. If you'd like to connect directly with me, the best way to do that is to shoot an email to my team at info at success101podcast.com, or you can catch me in the world of social media on the Success 101 Podcast Facebook community page or on Instagram under the name at Success 101 Podcast. I'll catch you guys on the next awesome episode. Until then. Until then.